code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis. And I'm Heather Artis. We're back at the helm and ready to kick off Minute 6 with The Curse of the Black Pearl. We are officially off the HMS Dauntless and entering a whole new world in the present. Well, as much as we can get when talking in 18th century setting. I find it interesting to live in the 1700s until I went without all the inconveniences or the conveniences that we have today. Yeah. I guess maybe not because I was already <laughs> complaining about not having Amazon Prime for the for a couple of those books <laughs> and having to wait two weeks. So I can't even imagine what shipping was in the 1700s. Oh, we actually figured out why it took so long. They actually came from the UK. <laughs> yeah, that was my fault. I thought, I can't understand why it's taking so long. But yeah, they, they were coming from the United Kingdom. So... <laughs> I guess I have to take all that back. I don't yeah. can't explain that. So if something was coming from the United Kingdom back in the 1700s, I got to imagine it would take at least more than two days. Definitely probably longer than two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Way longer. <laughs> so did you happen to look into the Disney's debate or at least seeing the Curse of the Black Pearl into video rather than to theaters? Apparently during the development phase, Disney had Jay Wolpert write a script based on the ride in 2001. And ultimately, he, along with Stuart Beatty, would get a screen story credit that would help set this film in motion. But Terry Rossio and Ted Elliott would get the final screenplay credit. Had they chosen to release it direct-to-video, as what you were saying, they had this kind of idea, maybe should we just release it to direct-to-video or mm-hmm. should it go to theaters? They did have Christopher Walken or Kerry Elwes in mind to be their first choices. And I know everyone seems to have a Christopher Walken impersonation at the ready. And sure, they're just waiting for one expressing some Jack Sparrow lines. I mean, Captain Jack Sparrow. But I, I'm, that ain't going to happen. I'm not a Christopher Walken impersonator. I don't have one at the ready. We'll just have to leave that to the millions of people on YouTube who do it. And then also Saturday Night Live. Actually, maybe that is Christopher Walken on Saturday Night Live and not an impersonator. We'd have to check that out. (laughs) But as for Carrie Elwes, that's an interesting choice, I think, with him to be potentially playing that pirate lead. And it may have worked, actually. It's hard to imagine not seeing Johnny Depp in the role as Jack Sparrow. So it would have been definitely a different character in the final product, but I can almost imagine it. You know, there is a swashbuckling mix of adventure and comedy that he has in his wheelhouse. And specifically, I'm thinking of him as Dread Pirate Roberts. Heather, does that ring a bell to you, Dread Pirate Roberts? Oh, yeah. Princess Bride. Wow. You know, I really am impressed. I was really betting that I was going to have to go through a number of clues, and I even had some at the ready just in case, but <laughs> you, you, go, you went ahead and ruined that, which is amazing because Sorry. you're usually pretty terrible at like yeah. movie dates and names of movies and things, so how you got that, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe because it's a pirate movie to some extent? Maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe I've seen it multiple times and... You know. <laughs> that is, it's a good movie. And I think actually there's now one that's uh, Princess Bride Minute, so you can check that out. Oh, Princess I'll have Bride to check Minute. That yeah. Out, actually. And I haven't really connected with them. They're another fellow podcaster, but Princess Bride Minute should be pretty cool. That's a good movie. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure if they didn't um, release it to theaters and just did the video, that the multi million dollar franchise wouldn't be what it is today. 
Well, it was a billion dollar franchise, actually. Oh, billion. Multi-billion dollars. <laughs> multi-million dollars. They're like, why did we spend a hundred, hundreds of millions of dollars producing these movies and we only got a few million in return yeah. and we kept doing it. It's like poking yourself Thanks. in the eye. You're like, man, we spent millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars to make them and then we're only getting millions in return, so... Heather's probably living in the 1700s with her budget things. It's like Dr. Evil. She's like Dr. Evil when she's like $1 million and then the president of the United States yeah, laughs. Exactly. So there you go. Yeah. That's our daily dose of making fun of Heather. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. So let's get this minute rolling. As you wish. <laughs> we ended the last minute with a now grown Elizabeth awakening from a startling dream in which she confiscated or stole a gold medallion from a young Will Turner and watched a pirate ship slip into a heavy fog. Minute six begins with Elizabeth taking the oil lamp beside her bed, pulling open a small drawer, removing the contents and revealing the gold medallion hidden in a false bottom. The minute finds its ending when her father, Governor Swan, presents her with a dress to which she says, It's beautiful, as she starts to pull it from the box. The minute ends with her in mid-sentence. Yeah, it's beautiful. Exactly. So, Heather, why was the medallion tucked away for so long? Um, I would say, well, how do you, we don't really know that it was tucked away so long. The dust in our house, you know. Well, that's true. It I accumulates mean, dust accumul- quite quickly. Yeah. For all we know, this this thing could have this medallion could have been in there for just a week and then it had accumulated that much dust. So, yeah, that's hey, a good point. Could have been a day in the, around this place. Yeah, exactly. It just seems to float in. It's like you can yeah. You can actually dust, and then the next weekend, it's like you haven't dusted in two years. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I guess we got to change the whole definition of our time frame if we say two years, because that actually is a week, which takes this dust to build up. So maybe we should just say, it's like we haven't dusted in a week. <laughs> so yeah, has she forgotten about it? Has it been hidden for many years? I mean, this is a common thing in movies when you see that there's been dust accumulation. Mm-hmm. It is in a false bottom, too, so it's been covered. Yeah. There's a cover... There's also like a, it looked like a letter and maybe a dried sun starfish yes. that was there. So in a book, I think. But yeah, so there were things on top of it. But it just like the movie is trying to get this idea that it actually has been in there for a long time. And we discussed last minute that we can't imagine that she actually had forgotten about the medallion or her pirate experience. So we do see that this wasn't a dream. We can't officially put the stamp that this was not a dream. She does have a medallion. And she did keep it. So that officially makes her the first pirate we see in Pirates of the Caribbean films. Because she (laughs) did steal it. Or at least a thief anyway. She is a, a maritime thief. She stole on the boat. So we see that. We know that she kept it. And she couldn't have forgotten about it. That experience would definitely is not in her character to forget about it. So it's either she just put it away... And didn't really want to think about it. Yeah, I just don't know why it's been tucked away for so long and she hasn't worn it. Or maybe she has when she was a kid. And then when she started getting older, uh, she stopped wearing it. I don't really have an answer for that. Well, I was thinking she actually kind of forgot about it or forgot where she put it or something. Because it's like when after the dream, she woke up and she gets out of bed. It's like, oh, I just remembered. I have that medallion in there, you know. The dream helped her remember it was in there to me. That's what it seemed like to me. Yeah, I think that's what they're trying to get at is that maybe she forgot about it and she's remembering it. But I don't know if I buy it, though. No, because of her. With that experience and her infatuation with pirates, unless that's waned over the years. So maybe she wore it as a kid 
and over and a few to- years and finally she just start she put it up one day and moved on with her life you know she is yeah. now in some other place that we don't know yet in the caribbean maybe she took this boat ride but yeah i, I don't know i just have trouble with that so either she set it aside it's like she got this thing then she put it aside and then she just her dream is like oh yeah you know i really enjoyed wearing that or i want to wear that finally and she still has taken this i think for a pirate medallion it's you know right. it really is you know she doesn't have any inclination of where it really came from she just i think really does associate it with being a pirate medallion yeah. for sure this is also the minute that we actually get a decent look at the back side of the medallion you know there isn't in a previous minute you can kind of see what maybe is part of the backside of it when she's looking at it and or she pulls it from Will's chest. But if you do kind of a step-by-step pause kind of stuff going on, something that's a bit kinky, we're not just watching the minute, but we're actually pausing it to look at it. You do get a fairly good look at what the backside of this medallion is. And it does have this kind of geometric maze-like shape with a couple circles or a circle shape, maybe a concentric circle thing off to one side. And I did some looking and, you know, and I was going to do some other further research on it and I completely forgot I got tied up with something else to see really about some of the Aztec glyphs or symbols to see if I could really find out what it's mm-hmm. about. But what I did find quickly before we actually went to the studio was that part of it does resemble a the symbol or the glyph for water. And that's kind of like this maze part or at least it looks like kind of steps. And that's kind of the water symbol for Aztecs. But other than that, I didn't find anything else out about that. And I'll have to do a little bit more looking because it's something I'm interested in. Glyphs and the symbols. So maybe I'll have some more information later on about what actually the back of this medallion means or, or is supposed to be. It could just be that they created a... An an interesting shape and symbol for the for the movie prop or not i'm not really sure but it'll be interesting i'll go ahead and pass that along if i find anything out do you think it could possibly be a map to some treasure yeah maybe that's part of it it's in in some kind of aztec glyphs that it's actually you know you have to go to a water and then mm-hmm. an island or something like that it could have some kind of symbol because there is like i said potentially the symbol for water then there's what looks like maybe a maze or maybe it's a trail and then there's kind of a concentric circle shape off to one side so maybe that represents an island or maybe that represents a location and then there's a a trip so it could be a map to something maybe it's a map where this aztecs are or the gold is so and if i remember correctly you can't see the bottom right hand corner all that well either so maybe there's something over there too i don't remember i'd have to look again and maybe we'll get a better shot of it later on but then also i'll you know online i'm sure i can find the the exact back of what this thing looks like i did also really look into the front of it and the that we actually see this with the skull on it and it is similar related to the aztec sunstone which is pretty interesting and so i'm not really looking to get into the whole inner workings of the sunstone calendar but i thought there were a few tidbits that i could include or throw out there for everybody and in the center So we're talking about the sunstone, but not the actual gold medallion. In the center of the monolith, and we're talking about the sunstone, not the actual gold medallion, is the face of the solar deity, Tana Tihu. And this is actually sitting where the skull would be sitting on the Pirate of the Caribbean medallion that we find. Hmm. And so this deity, which appears inside the glyph for movement, which is pretty interesting. So the name of the, which is the name of also the current era. And the central figure is shown holding a human heart in each of its clawed hands, and his tongue is represented by a stone sacrificial knife. And so what I thought was really interesting and tied back into what we were talking about yesterday, 
with the Jolly Roger that there was some similarities of a heart that's piercing uh, yeah. or a hand that with like a dart that's piercing a heart. And so I thought that there was some similar symbolism here. And then also on the sunstone, there are four squares that surround the central deity and represent the four previous suns or eras. And each era ended with the destruction of the world and humanity. Happy thought there. Yeah. Which were then actually recreated in the next era. So there is this kind of link back to stuff that we were also talking about before in in earlier minutes uh, with the ship and the way that there was kind of some symbol that looked like a phoenix or an X marks a spot mm-hmm. on the burning merchant ship. And we were talking about the phoenix and Fantasia and the mother nature scene when the lava is coming down in the shape of the phoenix and burns everything and then destroys stuff and then mother nature comes back out of it. And so this ties right directly back to that with the sunstone because this is, again, destruction that's followed by rebirth. So I thought that was some pretty cool stuff. And then there's the interpretations have varied over the years of what the actual Aztec sunstone was or is. And one of the original early thoughts is that it was a calendar. Then it kind of, then there's the idea is that it maybe has some religious significance. Then there's, does it have geographic significance? And they're thinking that four points relate to four corners of the earth. And then there's also the political aspect to show Tetchnochitlan as center of the world. Or maybe it's a little bit combination of all those things. So I just thought that the sunstone actually had some really cool symbolism because we were talking about symbolism here in Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Yeah, very cool. So as Heather's playing with Froggy over yeah, there, sorry. she's distracted and she doesn't really care about everything going on here. No, so Frog, of, I'm being attacked. So one of the other things that I found kind of the, in this particular scene, I mean, the, the really the big thing was in this particular minute was the, the medallion and her putting it back on and reconnecting with yeah. the past and actually wearing this was the window view. It's like, man, wh- what a great view that is out of her bedroom window. And we haven't been officially introduced to where they are exactly, so we'll have to visit that when it's appropriate because, as we said, we don't really move forward in time. But I really think that we need a GoFundMe page to send us to the Caribbean (laughs) to buy a house that overlooks uh, a harbor and and all this great stuff. That's a wonderful idea, and I don't think the dogs would mind it either. (laughs) Getting to play on the beach all the time. Definitely not. (laughs) So... This particular scene was recorded in a studio, and so when they're actually looking out the window, it's onto a green screen or a blue screen, and then they put that that view on there themselves. So they're not actually in that. That's actually a green screen or but there was special a bird flying C- by. CGI effects. <laughs> you can't have birds fly by in CGI effects. No. <laughs> Heather's, Heather's realism has just been destroyed. <clears throat> So why do you think she put the necklace back on? I, you know, actually, I don't know. I mean, she remembers, she has the dream. She remembers it. I think it put her in that moment. It's kind of like maybe a a woman in her wedding dress. She's looking at the photo album. And you see this kind of in movies all the time, too. She's looking at the photo album or seeing the wedding video. And then all of a sudden, the next shot is of her walking around the house doing dishes in her wedding gown. So I think that's maybe the same thing. She's not married, or at least we don't think that she's married. And she just had this dream. She's remembering it, and she's going, hey, I'm going to put that cool thing on. That's a neat way to describe it. Of course. Thank you. Can I pull my wedding dress out of its box? No, you cannot. I'll pack it up and put it on. No, no wedding dresses. (laughs) 
So yeah, so that's how I see it. I see it that it's just kind of her reliving the past. It's it's kind of like when you have to get rid of something, but then you realize, hey, this is pretty. It's or a kid, you know, they 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 have to get rid of some toys or something they've never played with or they haven't played with in years and years. But then as soon as it's about ready to get rid of it or they find it again, find it it's like, oh wow, I forgot I had this. Yeah. This is pretty cool, and I'm gonna play with it. Yeah. But I, I just really, I, like I said, I can't believe that she forgot about it. I think maybe she put it up. And then the dream reminded her, like, oh, yeah, I have that. I haven't worn that in a long time. Oh, or she was really full of these cool memories of the excitement of the pirate. We don't know where she is in her particular life at this stage. So did she just go ahead and put it on because maybe something's going on in her life and this is this represents a time that was pretty fun and cool for her? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we know that she's kind of at the upper echelon in society, a higher society. There, they, You know, there's restrictions and things like that. So this still, as we talked about before, represents those freedoms and her pirate, you know, these adventures as a kid. So yeah. probably wanting to relive some of that because the hoity-toity pompousness of high society, especially as a young woman, is definitely nothing compared to her romanticized version of being a pirate. And so maybe that comes back into play with the medallion for her and wanting to put it on. Right. That's a good idea. So when her dad knocks at the door and she goes, she's got this necklace on. And she goes into a panic and she's knocking over the chair and making a bunch of racket while putting her bed jacket on. And is it because she, he just caught her off guard or she doesn't want him to see the necklace or a little of both or, you know, what do you, what do you think? I was thinking about that and I, I had a couple of things. First, I thought, okay, maybe, you know, she's a grown woman now. What would it matter what she was wearing or why would her father care? It's not like she was a little girl and just stole this from from a potential pirate. Right. Or they had that connection to pirates. But as somebody, again, who is part of the upper echelons of society and what is actually the priorities of the day, for somebody in her position, you wouldn't be wearing a pirate emblem Mm-hmm. And those who were pirates wore pirate stuff. And those who, and you didn't want to be portrayed as a pirate or people thinking that you were a pirate or knew a pirate. So right. she, even though people may go, Elizabeth Swan is definitely not a pirate, and nor is she going to be a pirate. But then people start to talk, well, is she dating a pirate? Where did she get this pirate oh. medallion? Or does she know a pirate? And then it could create a lot of stuff for her. And plus it would get, you know, Governor Swan, he's the governor of something, that we suppose, you know, he has this title. He's in charge of some stuff that he can't have his daughter going around with a, that's symbolizing pirates and, you know, where there's crime and pillaging when he's trying to keep the peace probably and control a certain land or a certain area or he's in charge of something. He can't have her going around. It, it, that would be like the ultimate sign of rebellion because he is trying to prevent piracy, for instance, and she is then walking around doing that. It, I think things were a little bit different as far as rebellious teenagers at the time compared to what we can get away with with rebellion now because we could walk around with a pirate shirt and nobody's going to care. Yeah. But we didn't really different have... Different times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was just a whole different situation. Yeah. And she was a bit of a rebellion, a rebellious child, but I think she got away with a lot because her her dad seems to just take... He loves her so much and he just lets her kind of get away with talking to her a certain talking to him a certain way and stuff that's right you know it's just kind of you could tell and you know especially when he gives her the gift 
you could just see in his eyes how much, you know, he just loves his daughter. He'd do almost anything for her, it seems. Yeah, so she doesn't want to upset that boat, at least right now. Yeah, yeah. Before we had to jump back because Heather forgot where we were (laughs) and and screwed up the timeline. Froggy was attacking me. (laughs) There were some nice details in the minute as we were talking about the view that was a green screen and stuff. But there are some other nice details, and I thought that they have done a good job throughout so far the minutes with some of the details as we talked about on the Dauntless with fire buckets and, and those kinds of things and the uniforms and wigs and stuff. But... There are a number of period pieces from the door hardware. You know, you can really see some cool door hardware Mm -hmm. to the locks and, you know, the handles to the wavy glass panes that are seen when the maid opens the window. And then there's a portrait of a woman behind Elizabeth in one of the scenes. And, you know, is that her mother? That's what I was wondering. If that was her mother. I mean, it's not it's not her. You could tell it's not her. So I was wondering if it was her mother. It's the only other thing I can come up with unless it's a distant relative, but Yeah. You know, you know I'll go ahead and just pretend that that's her mother. Yeah. And that maybe that's the connection or the yeah. something that something happened to the mother because we have not seen her at all and now the dad is coming in with maids, but the mother is not there. So obviously right. the mother's not around and maybe that's a portrait of her. Yeah. And one of the other things regarding kind of artwork there is that when Governor Swan enters, you can see some bird prints Mm -hmm. that are hanging or paintings, prints or paintings that are hanging by the door when he enters her room. And you can see, yeah, so they're kind of ornately framed prints of some birds. And I haven't zoomed in enough to really see what they are. I'll have to try and go back and look at it. But at first I was wondering if they were James Audubon pieces, but it really wouldn't have fit the time period since he was born in 1785. And this movie takes place, you know, say in the early to mid uh, 1700s and for those out there who are not aware of my day job uh, it really is wildlife and habitat conservation with urban bird foundation so i do a lot of work with burrowing owls and other birds so i really did have this kind of keen interest and connection to to really what those paintings were and these so they prints caught my eye and i really do need to check them out as i mentioned more closely but i think that maybe that there's some predecessor to james audubon which is mark catsby And that fits the film timeline. And Catsby was an Englishman who explored the southern colonies in the early 1700s. And he collected and preserved specimens of plants, birds, and other animals. But before sending these specimens off to wealthy collectors in England, he made drawings and kept notes on the species and their habitats. So, or species and their habits. So after returning to England, Catsby spent the last 20 years of his life publishing his drawings and written observations and all that good stuff. And his bird images often have a whimsical charm, which I can see in the in the paintings and the in the prints there. But they're definitely not particularly accurate when it comes to like depictions of the form and the plumage or the, how that they would stand in their actions. So, although they did show a spark of life that was gained from observing birds firsthand that he did, it did deviate from many of the other artists at the time who used preserved skins and taxidermy mounts as models for their drawings. And so that was kind of the thing. So he was kind of uh, going rogue and changing how bird art or wildlife art was at the time. So I thought that was an interesting tidbit that they they put in there to have those paintings and they probably didn't even think about it but maybe just (laughs) because there was a style uh at the time but i thought that there was some cool stuff that maybe is you could read into it a little bit more behind the scenes yeah very cool so what else do you have heather pretty much all i have actually on my notes okay so i've said all i've got to say and if you've 
have nothing else, then I say we're good for minute six. Okay. We will be back tomorrow with minute seven of the Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. You still ain't give me my grog. Oh, she's been drinking grog all right. I think we all know. (laughs) Froggy is code word for grog. (laughs) Poor Froggy. (laughs) Thanks, everyone, and see you tomorrow. Thanks for joining us on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. You can contact us at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. We just might feature your questions and comments on future episodes. And visit us online at blackpearlminute.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter for additional content and post-episode discussions.